Welcome to a special episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We're drafting the Magic's best playoff series wins in franchise history. Let's go. So you heard the topic uh, in the intro. We are drafting the greatest Magic, Orlando Magic playoff series victory, uh, playoff series wins in franchise history. So we're not doing games; we're doing entire series. Um, and the way we're doing this is Spencer's going to draft five teams um, or five series. I'm going to draft five series. Um, funny enough, there's the Magic have only won eleven playoff series all time. Which I, I had to double check. I'm like, I, I could have sworn it was a few more. No, it's it's 11. Um, the Magic have nine first round exits in their history as mm. well. But um, so we're gonna pick ten, the top, ten out of eleven basically playoff series wins. Uh, and I think we might uh, actually talk about our favorite uh, uh, Magic playoff series loss as well. Um, we'll do that at the end. But we flipped the coin. I flipped the nickel because for some reason I couldn't find a quarter, so I flipped the nickel. And I get the first pick, and I'm going with the Magic's uh, 4-2 series win back in the 2009 Eastern Conference Finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Great pick. Um, it was it was there's slight debate. I'm sure I know what you're going to do with yours, but um, you know we talk about just how crazy that series was because it really could have been a sweep. Um, you know, the Magic won in six. Game six was on my 21st birthday, so there's some influence with that personally in regards to that. Um, you know, the Magic go in as the perennial underdog. Everybody thought it was going to be Kobe versus LeBron in the finals. They even did the stupid puppet commercials for it. Um, you know, the Cavs were the number one seed. The Magic were the number three seed. But you go to that game one, Magic are down pretty much the whole game. And then that fourth quarter flurry, Rashard Lewis hits the clutch three. They win game one. They should have won game two in Cleveland, um, but LeBron James hit that miraculous shot to win the game, and when LeBron goes into the Hall of Fame, that shot is going to be playing on his highlight reel, even though it prevented them from getting swept, basically. Um, feel free to jump in if you want whenever, Penny, but um, you know, some, to go over some of the stats... You know, Dwight averaged 26 points per game and 13 rebounds per game. That's Dwight at his best, basically. Uh, Richard Lewis was at 18 points per game. Hedo was at 17, 6, and 6. Um, then you get Mikhail Pietris. He he came off the bench for all six games, but... Guarded LeBron. Guarded LeBron a lot. Hit some key threes. Hit some crazy shots, I believe, in that <laughs> series. Um, I think one of them, he was riding a player, I think, coming down. Uh, he averaged almost 14 points per game. And then our boy Skip, Ray for Austin, yeah, he got 12.5 points per game. I'm going to tell you LeBron's stat line and for the whole series, for that whole six-game series. He averaged 38.5 points per game. Um, eight, eight rebounds, eight assists. He had a steal and a block a game. He... The dude was ridiculous. Um, and Unfortunately, then, he had to play with Mo Williams in that series. And hey, Mo Williams shot, you know, scored 18 points per game. He shot at a bad percentage of 37%. But um, and then the third guy is Delonte West, who shot 30, like, like a yeah, he shot 40 some percent. But 
you don't want Delonte West to be your third guy, I don't think. And it just kind of showed what LeBron was working with at that time. And, you know, like I said, the Magic should have swept that series. But because they didn't, I guess it made it work out that it definitely is number one, my number one pick for best Magic Series victory of all time. Um, you know, they got, it was obviously they punched their ticket to their second finals in the franchise's history. We won't talk about that, what happened in those finals. But, you know, you look at game three, the Magic came back, come, uh, come back to Orlando. They win that game fairly comfortably by 10. It was one of those series where Stan Van Gundy's like, it's okay, LeBron can get 50. Let's just not let anyone else go off. And it worked out, even though we were sweating bullets in game four. Uh, you know, the Magic had the chance to, you know, go up 3-1 in the series and basically lock it up from there. Um, Cleveland was trying to tie it up going back to Cleveland to retake home court. Uh, thank God for Rashard Lewis's ridiculously clutch corner three-pointer where literally he gets the ball near side out of bounds, turns, like complete turn, hoists it up, drills it. And it's one of those images that will forever live in my head is like him and Hito like hugging, chest bumping while 18,000 Magic fans are going absolutely apeshit. I think to me there's no debate this is the best series win in franchise history. You get two 20-point comebacks in Game 1 and Game 2. Obviously you don't seal the deal in Game 2. Dwight has a monster game in Game Six to close out the 40 series. Pointer. Forty pointer. So it's like one of those things where we we know the entire game that we're going to the finals. It's a curb stomp coronation. Uh, there's no there's no drama. You just get to enjoy it for like you know thirty of the forty eight minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think Dwight finished. Uh, I think he got dunked. And he was flagrantly fouled, but he made the dunk. So he's just like, you know, in total beast mode, man-child situation. Yeah. Uh, we see Courtney Lee driving his Bentley down Orange Avenue after the win, celebrating. He gives us the what's up. We see Anthony Johnson in that series eating at Gino's Pizza downtown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, the city was alive. The magic fever was in full swing. And there's always a little something extra when you get to stick it to LeBron. And speaking of Courtney Lee, you know, he's got the mask on. He's got, he has two ridiculously great dunks that LeBron tried to challenge but couldn't. And, you know, Courtney Lee measured at 6'3". argue he's a little shorter than that. Um, you know, it was him, Hito, Beatrice. The kitchen sink. Everybody was guarding LeBron in that series, and it just worked out. Um, Austin, you know, Ray for Austin's guarding them. I mean, it was it was an awesome series, and you know that was one that it's just tough to tough to to beat that. But who you got the second pick, Penny? Uh, so we're going back and forth. I thought about doing like a snake draft, but that would kind of get a little weird with two people. So. You obviously are handicapped a little bit here, but who is your number one pick? I'm going chalk. Uh, you took 2009, so I'm going to take 1995 Eastern Conference Finals. Good man. Uh, obviously, we beat the Indiana Pacers four games to three. Each team won every game on their home court in that series. Uh, I I choose that one because I think that was really the franchise ascension moment where this young club is going, uh, you know, why not us? Why not now? We're going to the finals. Of course, Brian Hill gets hoisted into the air. Um, for me, again, just like it's fun to beat LeBron James, it's always fun to stick it to Reggie Miller in yeah. the 90s. Um, 
But the most memorable moment of that whole series to me, aside from Brooks Thompson ruffling feathers by, you know, putting extra points up in garbage time, <laughs> yeah. is the game that we lost in Indiana. Game where four. Tree, Tree Rollins simply won't bite, uh, won't stop biting on Rick, Rick Smith's head fakes. And in the 30 for 30, you know, this magic moment, they talk about Tree's... Tree's Telling all these guys to stay down on the Rick Smith pump fake, and of course he bites. He he, he go you know he 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 gets faked out on it. Smith hits a ridiculous shot, um, you know, and that was just game four. I think drama wise, this might be the best series that we'll go through. Um, there's maybe one or two other ones that that are up there, but as far as series that the Magic won, yeah, um, you know, like you said. I think two the, ridiculously good home courts. Yeah, um, you know the Magic were the number one seed. The Pacers were the number two seed. It's just interesting because the narrative of oh you got to wait or you got to go through tough times was kind of the thing for almost a decade. You saw the Detroit Pistons had to deal with it. Jordan's Bulls had to deal with it. Then you kind of had the Knicks. Uh, you know Ewing, Starks. Uh, even though the Knicks would not win a championship, you know they. You know they would get to the finals, and then Indiana beats them. You know you see Miller time where where the Pacers exercise their demons with you know, Reggie Miller leading them, and they always kind of they 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 stop the they literally stop the you know, the Miller time thirty for thirty right before the, the Pacers face the Magic. So it's always funny because every Magic fan knows what happens after right. that, and it's just interesting because everyone thought that it was going to be Indiana because. I mean, they that that team was stacked with some tough grown ass men and battle tested. And as I mean, you, said. you know, Reggie in that series averaged twenty six points per game. Rick Smith's got eighteen and six. Derek McKee actually averaged fourteen points per game in that series, which is actually a little bit of a surprise for me. You know, they have Mark Jackson's fat ass, or at least big ass anyway. You know, he he was going up against a little guy, a, a young guy in Penny. Um, they got Antonio and Dale Davis banging down there. They got a 33-year-old Byron Scott, you know, Haywood Workman, who is now an NBA official. You have Sam Mitchell, who most know him now as a coach. He was on that Pacers team as well. And then, of course, they also had Greg Kite. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's just the, the team age-wise was at a point where they should have won this, this series. People were expecting them to win this series, but... I mean, the Magic had the best players. They had Shaq and Penny. Shaq averaged 27 and 10, basically, in the series. Um, Penny averages 19 points per game and 7 assists. 3D was hitting three-pointers in, in it. He had 17 per game. Nick, 14 points per game. Horace didn't have to score that much in that Eastern Conference Finals. He, had, he was averaging 10 and 9. Um, you know, as you'll see with... Other Brian Hill team, uh, other Brian with Brian Hill's teams, he did not go to the bench much in in those playoff series, and for in, in many regards, that was kind of to the team's detriment. I felt like when it came to, you know, when they got to the '95 Finals and they got swept, had they had they had their bench out there a little bit more, a little bit more battle tested, or just trusted their bench entirely because they were dominating. They the Magic had the best home court in the NBA. The arena was rocking. And part of that reason is because the bench did a good job spelling the starters. So, you know, it's kind of one of those what-ifs after this Pacer series ends. But, I mean, as far as just, game, you know, seven-game series go, it was just crazy. Even though the Magic would blow out Indiana in Game 7 and win by, I think, 24 points, um, it's still a phenomenal series. And it's a pretty good pick for on your end. 
So you you took the 95 uh, Pacers for your first pick, Penny. My second pick, I'm going to go back to 2009. I'm going to take the Magic's uh, seven-game series win over the Boston Celtics. Nice. Um, there's some personal ties to that one as well. Uh, you know, that was the series where everyone's going to always talk about, oh, KG didn't play, KG didn't play. Um, you know, people are going to remember Big Baby in Game 4 hitting the game winner and bulldozing over a kid in the front row. Um, you and I are going to remember it most for Hito Turkoglu's ridiculous Game 7 where the Magic won by almost 20 points in Boston. Thank God for the pizza. Thank God for Hito. Thank God for the pizza. We were at the Buffalo Wild Wings. We're watching the game. When we win the game, we're going ape shit, jumping up on the table. You know, if we were at the at the Buffalo Wild Wings near UCF, so it's pretty young college crew there at that time, and it's it, it, it it's really interesting because you know the Magic went on this run in '09, and people just did not expect it to come. And even though in hindsight they probably they they very well lose it if Kevin Garnett's healthy, just because Boston was still the number two seed, even when they lost Kevin Garnett. They had won that Boston team won so many games in the regular season that they still had a pretty big cushion as far as regular season records went. Boston was the number two seed, the Magic were the number three seed, and yeah, you know, it's it's just interesting because the Magic actually won Game One of that series in Boston. Um, you know, the Boston takes care of business in Game Two. The Magic blow out the Celtics in Game Three, and then Big Baby ties up the series in Game Four, and it's like, oh fuck. So. Um, you know, Boston wins a close one in Boston in Game Five. The Magic take care of business in Game Six at home, and then he, you know, that sets the stage for Hito going ape shit. You know, that's also the series where Rafer Alston slaps the hell out of Eddie House. Um, it's just interesting how how that played out. Richard Lewis actually was the, the Magic's high scorer in that series at twenty points per game. Dwight was dealing with Kendrick Perkins and. Um, you know his his scoring average dropped down a little bit, but he's still averaging 16 points per game and 17 rebounds per Not contest. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on it are, are on this series. Hedo was averaging 16 a game. Petrus and and Rafer were the only other two Magic guys in double figures. So I actually had this third on my list as well. So so far we're we're lining up correctly and perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Boston's coming off a championship. Yeah, and they true. had that mentality. And not only that, but this was the point in time in the league where they had the refs in their pockets. They were allowed to play a really physical brand of basketball, especially on the defensive end of the floor that nobody else was really allowed to do. They forced you into a lot of tough mid-range shots. I think the the coolest part to me, you talk about the Magic Steel Game 1. Of course, they lose Game 2. They win Game 3 at home, as you expect. And then... There comes that little, uh, you know, the the breaking point where Big Baby throws a something in out of his ass. <laughs> they tie it up. We go down three games to two. Now you'll remember that there's turmoil at this point between Dwight Howard and Stan Van Gundy. A little bit. Dwight comes out in the post game press conference and goes, "Hey, you got a guy who's ready to be dominant, and you're not letting him be dominant, and all that." Okay, so I remember distinctly being in the arena for Game Six and. It was kind of a waiting game between the players and the fans. You know, obviously we haven't ex- we haven't experienced it in a while, but especially in the old arena, playoff time comes around. You get the red, white, and blue bunting on the on the uh, second level. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, the the atmosphere and the energy is ratcheted up so high 
but the fans were waiting. They go, okay, we're down three games to two. We're playing against the defending champions. The Magic, uh, to, to that point, had only won two playoff series in the last 13 years. Yeah. Are the, are the players going to come out, and are they going to give us something to cheer about, or are they going to lay down and die? And we're hanging around, we're hanging around, we're hanging around. We start to make a run and pull away. Fans start to get into it. And then you close out game six. And at that point, anything can happen. You go to game seven. You do something that's never been done before. You close out Boston on their home floor. In game seven. In game seven. Um, and you do it the way that Van Gundy's teams did it with a barrage of fucking three-pointers ripping the hearts out of all the purists in Boston. And man, was it wonderful. Yeah, no, it, 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 was, it was awesome. And, you know, that was the series that J.J. Redick actually started all seven games because Courtney Lee was still recovering with his, with his concussion and his broken face and him having to get used to the mask. And Redick did a hell of a job guarding Ray Allen. Did it on the defensive end. And... I think you and I, like you said, we're, we're we're pretty lined up as far as as far as this goes so far. So that was my second pick. Was that 2009 uh, Eastern Conference semifinal series uh, against the Celtics? Who is your second pick? So fourth overall, I'm going to take the 1995 Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, Orlando Magic, Chicago Bulls, beating Michael Jordan. Uh, okay. Obviously, Nick Anderson steals the ball. Greatest moment in franchise history. In game one, too. You get Horace Grant getting, uh, you know, paraded off the floor in the United Center. You get Magic fans in the arena with the Michael Who signs everywhere. You get get Shaquille O'Neal exerting his dominance against the three-headed white monster of centers that Chicago employed. Um, I mean... Jordan changes his number, goes from 45 to 23, and I would I would say the atmosphere in the arena was never greater than it was for that series, even though it was only a semifinal series. Yeah, look, I mean, the Magic were the number one seed, uh, the Bulls were the fifth seed just because Jordan had just gotten back mid-season, um, and it was, it was later than mid-season, and, you know, people didn't know what they were going to expect from Michael. I mean, you look at what the Bulls had on that roster, and Jordan still averages 31 points per game in that series. Um, he shot a pretty good percentage from two. It's just he only shot 23% on three-pointers. And, I mean, Scottie Pippen was Scottie Pippen. He had 19, 10, and six assists per game pretty much. Um, this is where Tony Kukoc didn't really step up like they thought he would. You know, he, he averaged 11 points per game. B.J. Armstrong was actually their third highest scorer at 12 points per game. Steve Kerr didn't get involved much off the bench. He was literally their their fifth best scorer at only five points per game. So, you know, the Bulls weren't the Bulls that they would become the next year later for where they would win three straight championships. Timing played a bit of a factor with that, but yeah. you still got to go out and beat them. You still got to go beat Jordan. Um you know, no one was expecting a 22-year-old Shaq and a 23-year-old Penny to make that type of run. Um, you know, the oldest guy that got legitimate minutes was Horace Grant at 29. That's probably the best playoff series Horace Grant's had in his life, where he averaged 18 points per game. He had 11 rebounds per game, and Phil Jackson challenged Horace to make shots, and he made them, and he shoved his goggles up his ass, basically. <laughs> so, um, you know. 
Penny did his thing, 18 points per game. Shaq was still a beast because Chicago didn't have anyone to stop Shaq at that point at 24 points per game, 13 rebounds per game. Nick and Dennis each did fairly well. They each averaged about 15 in the series. Again, Brian Hill didn't really dip deep into the bench. Um, you know, that just... We, we, we talk about how they won that series in six, and most people really only remember the first game, game one, with the steal, and the last game, game six, where Horace is getting carried off. Even though Horace didn't really want it, right? Shaq was like, fuck it, we're lifting you up, man. And, you know, that people forget that Chicago won game two in Orlando. Um, it, it's interesting just because you look at leading up to that game the magic had actually lost another home game prior to that as well but um you know they were so dominant at home during regular seasons that it, it was just shocking that they'd lose a game at home but the magic lost game two and that was when jordan switched from 45 to 23 and to the magic's credit they go to chicago win game three in chicago um you know chicago makes it 2-2 game four but the magic have home court back take care of business at the arena game five and then they get it done in Game 6 in Chicago. And I think you and I are lined up pretty well so far as far as series goes. Um, this is where I think you and I might deviate a little All bit. Right. So my third pick, and I I think I know what you're going to do after I do it. And so I, I did some flip-flopping on this. But okay. um, my third pick is actually the uh, 1995 series, oh, Magic Against right. the Celtics, uh, in the first round. And that was, first off, the Magic's first playoff series win ever. Yep. Um, Milestone. They, they close out the original Boston Garden. Um, they, it, it's just, it's, it's interesting just that it's just, there's several big things going on. It's literally the Magic's first playoff series win ever. Little did they know they would make, they'd go on the run that they did. But, you know, they blow out the Celtics in, the, in, their, in their very first playoff win. You know they beat them one twenty four to seventy seven. I'm sure people were were feeling pretty good at that time. Even though that Boston team, an eight seed, you know the Magic were the one seed. Boston was the eight seed. wasn't great. They still had you know, Dominique Wilkins, fucking thirty five year old Dominique still Wilkins at the done. time, leading Boston nineteen points per game and eleven rebounds per contest. Which that's freaking aw- ridiculous. D Brown was the second highest scorer at eight at almost nineteen points per game. Freaking Sherman Douglas and Dino Raja are the third and fourth highest scoring guys on that Celtics team at 15 points per game. And, you know, they they, they also had Derek Strong, who would end up on the Magic down the line, yeah. too. But um, it's interesting that, you know, we talk about the Magic, you know, losing that game two against the, against the Bulls, but they also lost game two against the Celtics in that series. And... To go to the Garden at 1-1, knowing that you potentially pissed away home court in a five-game series, and to win both games in Boston, that that, that was some very quick growing up. Yeah. And, you know, Shaq was going to be Shaq. I mean, he averaged 22.5 points per game, 13.5 rebounds. Penny was just warming up to in his first playoff series, or his first playoff series victory anyway. Um, you know, 15.5 points per game. Nick, Dennis... Horace, they did their thing, and you know, it, I think I know what where you're gonna go for for your third pick, but maybe not. But uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the uh, the more modern Magic and go with a '95 series. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball in the pecking order. I think. Okay, 
I'm going to go 2010. No. Second round. No. Okay. Atlanta Hawks series. Wow. And I'm going to explain it. I have a rationale, so hear me out. Okay. So, uh, we enter coming in off a four-game sweep. Yes. At this point in time, we are absolutely dominating and owning Atlanta. Yeah. I, I want to say the margin of victory for each game in that series hovered around 25 points, like 20, 25 points. Every single game was an absolute decimation. Um, you are not wrong. So I'm going to go over these real quick. Okay. So Magic uh, were the home team. Obviously, they were the number two seed. Atlanta was a respectable three seed. Right. And yet the Magic win game one, 114 to 71. They win game two, 112 to 98. They win game three, 105 to 75 in Atlanta. And then in game four, which I'll let you talk about because we were actually there for that one. Yep. Uh, we win that 98 to 84 for the sweep, walking into the Eastern Conference Finals. So this is one of those things where uh, it was a great time to be a Magic fan. As I mentioned, we had all this momentum. We're rolling. Jameer Nelson is kicking every point guard's ass that's placed in front of him. And... This was before Atlanta retooled a bit, so the matchups, for whatever reason, just completely favored Orlando at basically every single position down the line, Yeah, and there was no chance that Atlanta had to even win a game. We booked tickets early to go see Game 4 in Atlanta. I think your first time in Atlanta. Yes, it was. Uh, so we're doing touristy stuff, and it's like it, it's it's our crew on yeah. that one. It's like eight, ten guys right. at that one. So we, you know, we're doing touristy stuff for the guys who hadn't been in the city before. Nice aquarium. Every single uh, attraction worker, every single person in the city had already basically given up on the series. Yeah. Uh, this was like maybe before they played Game Three or right after they played Game Three, obviously. Uh, and everyone's like turning into Magic fans everywhere everywhere we go in Atlanta. Yeah, because I mean the Magic. This is where you can have the argument: which team's better, the 2010 Magic or the 2009 Magic? But they were dominating. Yeah. Um, oh nine, um, they they were bulldozing everybody. And Atlanta was at a point where I mean they had a good roster. They had Joe Johnson, who had a god awful series. I mean he got booed off the court in that game four. Joe Johnson only shot only averaged 12 points per game. He shot 29.8% from the field, 17.6% from three-point range. Ouch. Freaking awful. Yeah. Um, Jamal Crawford, literally a year before he would become magic killer, Jamal Crawford led Atlanta in scoring with 17 points per game. Josh Smith, 16 and 8. Um, a young 23-year-old Al Horford, 13 points per game, 7.5 boards per game. Um, Marvin Williams was their fifth best scorer, only six points per game. They just looked completely at, outmatched. The Magic were rolling, just bulldozing these guys. Vince Carter had probably his best, you know, few game span that he had in a Magic jersey. You know, Dwight averaged twenty one and thirteen, but there's Vince averaging eighteen points per game on a crazy efficient fifty one percent from the field and forty six point seven percent from three point range. Um, you know, Jameer's averaging 17 points per game. Uh, Richard's averaging 17 points per game as well. And the Magic just absolutely crushed them. And, you know, I remember when we, when we, I think we bought the tickets before game three occurred for game four. Yeah. So 
once once the Magic won in Game Three by thirty points, I'm like, oh shit, um, we we might be going in a bad situation because the Magic could have relaxed and be like, we'll just close it in Game Five. But I guess literally we know that Atlanta was, even though they played that game pretty tough, yeah. for through three quarters, literally we know that Atlanta would fold, and it was great because we were literally a few feet from a few feet from center from courtside seats, and to see all the Magic fans that showed up, some of them with brooms, a lot of brooms, a lot of brooms. Um, it was pretty awesome, and I'm I'm a little surprised you picked this one. I'm not mad at you picking for it, but I'm a little surprised you picked this one. Um, selfishly, I'm happy because I get to make a pretty interesting fourth pick. Man. All right. So for my fourth pick, I'm going to go to 2008. Oh, look out. I am going to go with the uh, first round victory over the Toronto Raptors. Great series. Um, that's a very good series, and... People forget that that was the Magic's first playoff series win in 12 years. They had not won a series since 96, you know. Um, there were some rebuilding years, but there were a lot of first-round exits in between those years. And to see the Magic take on a pretty good Toronto Raptors team, you know, the Magic were the three seed, Toronto was the six seed. Um, it's, you know, Dwight, again, doing his thing, 22 points per game, 18 rebounds per game. Um, Richard's averaging 19 a game. Hito, 18 a game. Jameer, 17 a game. Keith fucking Bogans averaged 10.2 points per game in that Raptors six-game series. Stepping up. You know, I and I and you and I went to a couple of those uh, home games. And I, I personally remember Maurice Evans hitting more three-pointers than he did. But, I mean, he averaged eight, eight and a half points per game. But, um, you know, that was a Magic team that Stan, Stan looked like he knew what the hell he was doing. And... That again was in it was in the arena. The Ma- the Magic fans were just so hungry for a playoff victory. They were just so 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 hungry to win a playoff series. And you know they win they win by fourteen in game one. Game two they win by a point. They eke out game two at home. Um, Toronto they take care of business in game three. And the Magic go into a, what we now know as is a hell of a place to go into in Toronto in the six. As far as uh, home court advantages go, the Magic win Game Four by a dozen points. Um, I mean, the Magic close out Game Five here, and that's just setting the stage for what the Magic would would do the next year and the year after that. Really, um, even though they would lose to the Pistons in the second round, uh, that would be the last time the Pistons would get the last laugh against us. But I mean, that Toronto series was was fantastic, and again, Toronto had a really good team. Chris Bosh, 24 points per game. He's 23 years old, but he was the scoring machine that people forget he was because in, in you know they're used to him being the third wheel in Miami during those big three title years with the Heat. Um, but he averaged 24 points per game, nine boards. Jason fucking Capono averaged 15.6 points per game. He was the second highest scorer for the Raptors. That's surprising. Um, not really because I just remember that douchebag just hitting timely three-pointers. Um, he shot 54.2% on three-pointers. So, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. So, I, I mean, he's a big reason why the, that series was maybe tighter than than it should have been. Um, I remember Jose Calderon throwing up those three fingers with all the three-pointers he made. You know, he averaged 12 and 7 assists. Um, TJ Ford, when he was still healthy, still looked pretty good for the Raptors at the time. You know, 24-year-old TJ Ford, he also averaged 11 points per game. Um, Anthony Parker, now part of the Magic scouting department. Um, he averaged 11 per game. You have to go all the way down to the seventh 
highest score on the uh, on the Raptors to find Andrea Bargnani. The Magic absolutely obliterated Bargnani. Um, he only shot 33.3% in the series. He, and it was a five-game series. I think I said six on accident. It was a five-game series. And he only averaged six points per game. And this was a guy who was the number one pick. Yeah. And, he, I mean, he was 22 years old. Maybe he was... He he wasn't up for it at the time, um, but you know people maybe were trying to make it a big deal, like oh it's number one draft pick versus number one draft pick when it really was Dwight against Bosch, um, and just to see the Magic just decimate them with three pointers and kind of how Stan was building that team to make a runs for a few years there. So it was nice that you know at that time Toronto fans are very vocal and passionate, and they kept saying that Bosch was a better player than Dwight. And it was nice for Dwight to kind of step up and shut that up, and also shut up the small, uh, the smug uh, Jose Calderon yeah. with all those three fingers. Very smug Spaniard. We were at Game One, as you mentioned. The crowd was really hungry. You know, we we knew this was the first time in a long time that we that a playoff series win was possible. The crowd was hungry for it. And uh, interesting personal factoid again. There's actually a photo of you and I from that game. Yes, I forget this. Taken during, the, I think, the first quarter of that game that actually hung in the hallway of the old Amway Arena until it was uh, auctioned off prior to the demolition. So that had an extra, uh, you know, ounce of meaning for me as well. Yeah, that was that was a fun, fun few weeks right there, that series. So that's my fourth pick. Um, what's your fourth pick, Spencer? Well... I'm going to go back to 2010 again okay, with another curveball and go round one against the Charlotte Bobcats. Wow, that, that's actually, that is a bit of a curveball, I think. So I, I select that one again. It's a four-game sweep where uh, you get to revel in the fact that your team is totally outclassing another team. Also, this one uh, I consider to be the Jameer Nelson series where he absolutely obliterated DJ Augustine well, and Raymond, Raymond Felton, Felton uh, most importantly. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter. Raymond Felton didn't last long, and whoever else they threw out in front of him didn't matter. Uh, Nelson kicked ass for the entire four games. Um, and also, I got to go to Charlotte for game three in that series. Uh, it was a great time. The fans were nice, even though we were beating their ass. And uh, got to hang out with Michael Petrus afterwards for a couple of minutes, and he's a nice guy. So uh, I picked that one just because it was kind of the start of that 2010. It was a magical run until we got to Boston and then ran out of steam. Um, but it was like the you know the magic show with the pregame, get Jason. Oh Williams yeah, pregame and all dunks, the fun stuff, Fortet, Dwight, and it yeah. was just a fun. You know, you're coming off the finals appearance, and now we're ready to go right back into it this playoff go round, and we start with a sweep. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I won't forget Raymond Felton just getting obliterated by Jameer, and for Jameer that was that was kind of his revenge, his his redemption for not for what happened in the 09 finals and him obviously not being 100%. He kind of proved like, "Oh, I'm I'm here. I'm going to do my thing." He led the team in scoring in that series. He averaged 23.8 points per game in that series. Um, you know, Richard averaged 16 a game, Vince Carter averaged 15 and a half a game. Dwight actually had some issues in that series. He only averaged 9.8 points per game and 9 rebounds per game. And 
You know, that's probably the reason why the Magic weren't fully blowing out Charlotte. Some of those games, especially in Charlotte, were pretty tight. Um, I can remember Michael Jordan in, in his, like, weird jeans that he was wearing next to uh, Ahmad Rashad, just looking befuddled and just looking frustrated and getting pretty angry that um, his team was getting it handed to him. Magic were the two seed. Charlotte was the seven seed. Um, you know, I haven't been to Charlotte. I'd like to go to Charlotte. We very well may end up going to Charlotte here in March. Um you know, that Charlotte team was really interesting because I think that was the first Bobcats team to actually make it into the playoffs as the Bobcats. You look at their leading scorer, it was uh, Steven Jackson. He averaged 18 points per game. Gerald Crash Wallace was right under him by, by at 17.5. Um, you know, they had some very interesting names. DJ Augustine, who's now with the Magic. Uh, you know, Tyson Chandler, who didn't show much in that series. Um, they had Boris Diaw before he went. That was Segway, right? Yeah, Boris that was Segway, Boris Diaw. And it's just interesting to see just some of the names on there. Larry Hughes had a cup of coffee with them uh, for a little while there. And, you know, that team, again, they were the seventh seed. Pretty good team, but just no chance against a Magic team that was just treating them kind of like buzzsaw feed, basically. So anyway, so that was your pick. Um, my last pick... My fifth pick. I'm surprised you left them on the board. Uh, I will go with the uh, 2009 uh, first-round series win that the Magic had over the Philadelphia 76ers. Great value pick. Um, I'm very surprised that they're still available at this point. Um, that was a six-game series. The Magic won that 4-2. to two. Um, You and I were at Game 1. Uh, we were at the very top of the arena, of the O-Rena, Still a damn good seat yeah. because the arena it was an actual basketball palace. Free tickets, um, I think. I maybe I don't know. I just remember being up there and you know, literally the very last row. I'd never sat up in the very last row before, but uh, the, the the arena was rocking. And yet, Andrea Guadalla would rip everyone's hearts out that night with a crazy uh, two pointer to win that game. I think the Magic were up three with about 50 seconds left. Danielle fucking Marshall hits a three-pointer to tie it. Uh, Fat Danielle Marshall. Yeah. And Go, hey, if you're listening to this podcast right now, Google Danielle Marshall 2016 and take a look at what he looks like now, and you will not believe it. Yeah. It's, anyway, he uh, you know he set that up, and, and Iguodala hit that jumper with about two seconds left, and Philadelphia steals game one. You know, the Magic and their fans were riding high off a pretty good, great regular season. Um, I mean, the Magic were the number three seed. Philadelphia was number six seed. Um, you know, they they lose game one. And, you know, they come back game two, take care of business. Game three was the close one where it was, was a close one. But Philadelphia ended up eking that out. Um, yeah, that was... I think that was the Thaddeus Young game winner. That was, I, I don't that know. That was definitely the Thaddeus Young game winner, and I know that because it's etched into my brain. Uh, I was I happened to be at a Florida State University social function. Why didn't want? I go, well, first of all, I didn't want to be there. Of course. Secondly, I didn't want to be missing the Magic playoff game to be there. And thirdly, I didn't want to check my phone and see that Thaddeus fucking Young is the reason that we're down two one in the series. Um, you know, that was a 20-year-old Thaddeus Young. He averaged 12 points per game in that series. Iguodala and Andre fucking Miller each averaged 21 points per game in that series. 
Um, this was Andre Miller, not old, old man, but just 32 years old Andre Miller. Regular veteran Andre Miller. You know, they, they had Willie fucking green. Um, you know, fourth quarter Willie, they, they had him. Um, you know, I can remember Dwight was struggling in that series with, uh, with Theo Ratliff, basically wrestling with him. Um, you know, Samuel D'Alembert wasn't, you know, was, was a bit of a factor in that series too. Um, you know, the Magic as a whole in that series, you know, Dwight st- had his stats, 24 points per game, 16 boards. Richard averaged 19 and 6. Ray for Alston to the rescue, uh, 15 points per game. Uh, but Hito was struggling hard in that series. And, you know, they lose game three. You go into game four thinking, you know, the Magic really need to win this or else they're coming back home to Orlando down 3-1. Pizza Glue pulls a big three-pointer <laughs> out of his ass to, to win that, that game at the buzzer. Iconic moment. Uh, big balls dancing back to O-Town, and it was 2-2 coming back, and you feel pretty good. The Magic do win game five by 13 points. However, that's the game where Dwight Howard's elbow literally left a, a, a huge uh, like imprint in Courtney Lee's face forever, basically. <laughs> um, Lee, I think that was like five minutes into, the, into game five, and... Courtney would eventually come back, you know, in the Boston series with a mask and a very memorable mask. But you know, he would he would obviously miss the rest of the Philly series. Uh, more importantly, Dwight Howard I think picked up a flagrant foul against Theo Ratliff. I can remember him throwing like an elbow, kind of trying to get you know get guys off of him, and he was suspended for Game Six. So you're thinking, okay, I guess the Philly will take Game Six. Maybe we'll, you know, we'll close it out. We'll close it out on seven, but uh, that didn't work out like that because Marcin Gortat was beastly, and the Polish Hammer had what you like to call Spencer as the Gortat game. And you know, there's that moment where he closes out the game with that breakaway dunk, and you know, it, it was the begin of a magical finals run, basically. And it, it's. You know, for for me to pick that fifth to finish out my my draft, I think that's a pretty strong pick. For me. I think so too. You know, the thing about that series, obviously, I think the the Turkaloo game winner is the iconic moment for most Magic fans. You remember him popping the jersey on the way back and stuff. But the I remember the most is uh, Stan Van Gundy jubilation as Richard Lewis comes back to the bench at the end of game six and giving him the man slap to the center of his chest. That was the chest slap picture. That's right. I remember the Anthony Johnson driving tomahawk jam that rattled the rim. And I remember, I think I want to say interim head coach, Tony DeLeo bitching to the refs about three second calls about Dwight and progressively getting whinier and whinier throughout the series. But overall, the thing about that series that was so cool to me is that I feel like it kind of set the stage for the entire playoff run in terms of the team showcasing its resiliency. Yeah. We're down 0-1, we're down 2-1, we're down two players, and just constantly finding a way to grind out wins and figure it out and eventually win the series. And then, you, you know, you build some momentum going in to face a really difficult Boston team that was the defending champions. Yeah, um, so... I'm done with my top five. Uh, so what is your fifth pick, Penny? I didn't leave you much here to yeah, end you've, with. You've left me a couple of gems, but we'll try and choose just one. Uh, I'm going to go with the 1996 first round series. Ooh, okay. The Magic Sweep, the Detroit Pistons, three games to zero. Uh, and they're they're rolling. 1996 playoffs. The, the whole crew is back. 
it's the revenge run. You're taking on Alan Houston, the marquee player. You're taking on uh, an older Joe Dumars. You're taking on a younger Grant Hill. So it was an interesting matchup. And the Magic took care of business and swept the the Pistons in three games. And the cool thing about that series, every single Magic starter averaged at least 15 points a game. So they shared the wealth. And you're like, okay, we're feeling pretty good. Uh, You know, last season's in the rearview mirror. And we're ready to go on a huge playoff run and and win the title this season. Yeah, Shaq averages 21-7. and Penny gets 19-5-7. That's Penny... Pretty much in his, in his prime at this point, um, you know. 3D had a damn good series. He shot 57.9 percent from three point range. You know, he averaged 18 points per game. Nick trying to shake off the 95 series. He he averaged uh, 16 points per game and shot 40 percent from three, 52 mm-hmm. percent from the field, 65 percent from the foul line. Which you know we were kind of getting used to that at that point. Uh, and Horace Grant, 15 points, 13 rebounds per game. Um, that Detroit team was pretty interesting because, as you said, Allen Houston, he averaged 25 points per game. He's 24 years old. Grant Hill, 19 points per game, seven boards. Uh, he's 23 years old. Joe Dumars, still still getting it done. And I'm sure he was sad that he, he couldn't uh, continue his duo with Isaiah Thomas, who he'd been gone for four years at that point. And, or three years. Three, four years at that point. Um, but... I'm a little. I'm, I'm actually not surprised you took this Detroit series over the next round series when the Magic took down the Atlanta Hawks uh, four to one. Um, it, it's it's I, again. I left you with scraps because it's two series that don't really have a lot of marquee moments. I would say no. But you know, to to see the Magic, you know, get a sweep to begin their playoffs. That's that's a pretty wise pick. Yeah, so. it's nice to see us on the other end of a sweep for once. You know. Um. And the Magic have not had many sweeps in their history. You can definitely count them all on one hand in that regard, or just a couple fingers. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I'm going to kind of go down my list of, again, people I drafted and, or te- and series that you drafted. So my number one pick, uh, I picked the 2009 Eastern Conference Finals where the Magic beat the Cavaliers. Uh, my second pick, uh, I picked the 2009 Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Boston Celtics. Uh, third pick, I went with the 1995 first-round series where the Magic beat the Boston Celtics. Uh, fourth pick, I go with the 2001, 2008 first-round series win over the Toronto Raptors. And for two, and for fifth pick, I go with 2009 first-round series Philadelphia 76ers. Solid squad. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I won, but I should have won because I had the better pick than you. But um, your top five, your five picks, Penny, were you went with the 1995 uh, Eastern Conference Finals victory over the Indiana Pacers. Uh, so your second pick was the 1995 Eastern Conference Semifinals victory over the Chicago Bulls. So you do have the greatest moment in Magic history in you your back pocket. So you stole the ball. Maybe the listeners will think you stole this draft. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, your third pick was the 2010 Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Atlanta Hawks. Your fourth pick, you stayed in 2010. You went first-round series uh, sweep as well over the Charlotte Bobcats. That I did. And fifth, you went with another sweep, which is the uh, 1996 first round uh, over the Detroit Pistons. You actually picked... Almost all the sweeps, basically. Actually, you picked all the sweeps. You picked the three only sweeps in Magic history. I so. value winning. So, um, 
So before we close this, uh, I think uh, we want to make this a little bit interesting. Uh, I think Penny and I are going to pick our favorite series that the Magic actually lost in. And since I, I uh, unfortunately uh, killed you in the uh, top five <laughs> Magic playoff victories, uh, I'm going to let you pick first as far as Magic uh, series losses all time. So uh, the Magic 27-year history, 12 playoff appearances, and uh, 11 series wins, 13 series losses, I believe. So a little bit more to choose from here. I know which one you're going to go with, I think. So I'll let you have it. Okay. All right. And I'm going to stay in Detroit and go with the 2003 first round heartbreaking series that the Magic end up losing in seven games. Now, I'm a tortured sports fan in, in, the, in 2003's regard because not only did the Magic piss away a 3-1 series lead, which happens to be Doc Rivers' calling card. He's he, done it. He's done it several times now. Brian Hill had his sweeps, and Doc Rivers pisses away 3-1 series leads. So not only do the Magic uh, build us up to let us down, do you remember what else happened in 2003 in the sports world? You're going to have to remind me on that. A uh, fellow by the name of Stephen F. Bartman. Oh, gosh. So oh, you poor bastard. Here I am. Uh Watching playoff basketball, my team has a 3-1 series lead. They're primed to go on to the second round. Tracy McGrady certainly is primed to go on to the second round. Yes. Uh, here I am watching playoff baseball, and the, the tortured Chicago Cubs have a 3-1 series lead, and they're primed to go to the World Series. And as fate would have it, both teams' hopes would come crashing down. God, you went through an awful stretch that year. So not only do the Magic piss away a 3-1 lead, and drop 4-3 to Detroit. You have your Cubs fiasco. Mm -hmm. And then the Magic again have the uh, very infamous losing streak to begin the 03-04 season. 19-game losing streak. Um, and I was, we were both, I believe, at the game that the Magic actually beat the Phoenix Suns to break that streak, I Thank believe. you, Frank Johnson, who sacrificed his job for us to and win that game. Thank you, Gordon Giracek, for, I think, having a pretty good contest in that as well, anyway. So this 2003 series, I'll tell you why I picked it. First of all, you know I'm a Tracy McGrady guy. Yes. He had, unequivocally, the best playoff series that anyone has ever had. And I want to take you through it. First of all, he had an ungodly 35.2% usage rate in the playoffs. <laughs> Which is just okay. absurd. Like, you don't see that today. You just don't see that today. His regular season was basically 32-6-5. Probably an MVP season. He should have been MVP. He wasn't even in the top three or five, I don't think, in MVP voting. He sh Honestly, I've made the argument before that he easily could have been MVP depending on how you viewed those Lakers and Spurs teams and how you split the MVP votes. And looking at the roster that he had to drag and push and prod to get into the playoffs. So during that seven-game series, he averages 31.7 points a game, nearly seven rebounds, nearly five assists. In that series, Drew Gooden kind of broke out as a double-double guy. Uh, this was his second year in the league, I think. No, his rookie, rookie year. Your rookie, rookie year. The Magic so they trade him midway through. Uh, we pissed McGrady off by trading Mike Miller to kind of jolt the team into the playoffs. Or we just get... jolt him since he was basically the team at that point. So but... we get Drew Gooden. We Gordon get Gearcheck. And both of them slide into the starting lineup pretty much immediately. Gearcheck had some moments in the playoffs, but really Drew Gooden had kind of a coming out party. And Daryl Armstrong 
basically was relegated to a bench role. He had a couple of games where he scored 15, 20 points, but this was a one-man show. Now, game one, McGrady absolutely drops a disgusting hammer on Mehmet Okur. Yeah. Probably the second best playoff dunk of all time for the Magic. Set the tone. Um, the only McGrady playoff dunk that might be better is where when he rode Sean Bradley uh, with that Rockets-Dallas series. But yeah. this O'Kerr one, I think, was actually better just because we've seen Sean Bradley get dunked on so many times. <laughs> so I think it basically drove O'Kerr out of Detroit and into Utah, pretty much. Pretty much. Couldn't show his face again in Michigan. Even though he missed out on a championship the next year. But so anyway. In the, in the first game... Tracy McGrady single-handedly carries the Magic to a victory on the road. He drops 43 points, okay? In our history to that point, 40-game playoff performances were a rare thing. It was pretty much Penny and Shaq. That was was literally it, basically. And Drew Gooden had a pretty great game. He had 18 points and 14 rebounds. And so, you know, the Magic steal game one in Detroit. Um, Huge win. Now we go into game two, okay? You're not going to get both. Detroit's the one seed. We're the eight seed. Uh, we're a young team still. Uh, haven't made it out of the first round. So you know they're going to come in and they're going to feel like they got the job done by getting the split on the road. Tracy McGrady drops 46 points this game. The first player to go back-to-back 40-point games since uh, who? Penny Hardaway. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll actually get right? to here in a bit. Okay, so just for you at home, 46 points in game two. Out of 77 total Magic The entire team scored 77 points that night. So you talk about a one-man show. Then they come back to Orlando. We take both games in Orlando, and we're riding high, and Tracy McGrady gets misquoted, and then the wheels fall off. And I gotta blame Steve Bartman, I think. Well, (laughs) that came after, though, man. Steve Bartman and Tayshawn Prince were the the two worst people ever. And then also John Barry on the team. I just didn't (laughs) like to look at him. And a fun link from 1996 to 2003, Michael Curry was still hanging around on that Detroit roster, too. Yeah, they they also had Chucky Atkins, our uh, heart and hustle backup point guard. Um, you know, you mentioned how Daryl Armstrong was coming off the bench. He scores 20 points in Game 3. He scores 18 points in Game 4. Big reason why the Magic win those two games, as McGrady was more n- normal in, the, in, in those two home games. He had 29 and 27, so <laughs> um, a little bit more normal. But, um, you know, it's Jock Vaughn started six of those seven games in Yuch. that series. So there's, there's a lot of former, current, a lot of Magic ties galore. You know, but the Magic were up 3-1. And, you know, it was at that point when Tayshaun Prince, out of the blue, becomes the T-Mac stopper, basically. Even though it wasn't really him, it was more the other guys just literally were not bringing much to the table. Drew Gooden wasn't wasn't doing as much as he was doing the first few games. Even though he was still racking up double-doubles, instead of like 18 and 14, it was more like 10 and 12, basically. Um you know, the Magic get absolutely annihilated in Game 5 by uh, 31 points. And you come back in Game 6, you know, the Magic have to close it out. If they don't close it out, you feel like they're done, basically, at that point. And they lose by 15. And that's kind of, that's a game where officiating, I can remember being at a house party for this one. And the officiating was really, really controversial in that game. Um, but when you lose by 15, it's really tough to 
to nitpick too much. Ben Wallace had fucking 20 points and 17 rebounds. Let alone, let's not ignore Chauncey Billups dropped 40 points. So that was the beginning of Chauncey Billups being a magic killer for about five, six years right there. For sure. And so it's a very torturous series to have lost. Um, The sad part is that we really were not in any of the games five, six, or seven. I mean, you never really felt like we had a chance to win. Um, even like in the third or fourth quarter, it just we couldn't quite get over the hump. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and it wasn't going to happen probably because our front court rotation consisted of Andrew DeClerc, Drew Gooden, Pat Burke, Sean Kemp, and Pat Garrity, and Stephen Hunter for a few minutes here and there. So <laughs> you know it's bad when you're throwing Stephen Hunter out there just to see if it'll be something different. Yeah, and I can remember that game, that game seven um, in Detroit. I think Drew Gooden actually had had a pretty big game. I think he had 20 points and 17 rebounds. So you know he showed up. McGrady I think dropped 37, but I'm always going to remember McGrady and Kemp kind of laughing. I guess with their souls being ripped out, they just chuckle and laugh. But I took that completely the wrong way. And that's just the image that's imprinted in my mind forever at that point. Um, and it just sucks because it leads into that disastrous 3 4 season, which is arguably the worst season in Magic history. Yeah, fuck you, Jawan Howard. Yeah. Um, you know, Drew Gooden had such a great series. And to see that, just see him just fall off a cliff, I mean... It's just unbelievable. So I think as far as heartbreaking series losses go, I, I think you did pretty good with your pick. Um, my pick, you already alluded to it, uh, 1997 first round, uh, Orlando Magic, Miami Heat. Um, you know, Unlike your Detroit number one seed, Magic number eight seed, You know, Miami was the two seed, Orlando was the seven seed in this one. Um, Richie Adubato was the head coach because uh, there was the Brian Hill mutiny. Break um, out the seersucker, Richie. Yeah, and the first two games in Miami, Miami wins them 99-64 and 104-87. And they, the Magic have to come back to Orlando, and people are just thinking sweet because right. Miami was just ridiculous. And the series as a whole, um, that entire Heat team was just ridiculous as far as you know, just production goes. They had six guys average double figures in the series. You know, Alonzo Mourning, 18 points, 12 rebounds. Vashawn Leonard, 14 a game. Tim Hardaway didn't even shoot it well, and I think that helped the Magic kind of come back in this series. He shot 30% and only got 14 points per game, but P.J. Brown had a, had a double-double, and then you got guys you know, guys like Jamal Mashburn and Dan Marley chipping in with 10 points per game. Um, they also had Isaac Austin, who would eventually be a, uh, a not-so-good Magic ad- addition down the road. I like Dyke. Um, I did not know. <laughs> Maybe uh, I uh, maybe Dwight Eisenhower, maybe, but uh, <laughs> not Ike Austin. That's not, no way. But, um, you know, the Magic come back, and it's interesting because I want to say, if, I don't think it was TNT broadcasting the games. I think it was TBS, and it's Vern Lundquist and Doc Rivers on the call, and I, I want to say both games three and four. And I can just remember Doc Rivers going just absolutely apeshit as the color guy, watching Penny Hardaway go absolutely berserk. Um, you know, just to set the stage for game three, Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott were doing basically nothing. Brian Shaw was doing even worse than nothing. Um, Ronnie Cyclic gets hurt in game three. He gets strolled off, uh, yeah, stretchered off. Um, this is my first magic game ever in attendance as a little kid. So to see my boy Ronnie go down, I I was not feeling too good at that point because I'm, let's see, 97. I would have been... 
nine years old at the time, almost nine years old at the time. So, um, and then Penny Hardaway just takes over. Uh, it, it's just amazing that what he did. He he carried that Magic team on his back. The Magic won Game Three, eighty-eight seventy-five. You know, you talk about T Mac having a ridiculous usage rate. I mean, Penny's pretty close in that regard, but. He, he played almost every minute of that game. And, oh, yeah, Penny's usage rate was 39.7% in that game three. So it was actually a little bit higher than McGrady's. But just to see him whip out the entire repertoire, get into the hole, fadeaway jumpers, crossovers galore, um, putting people in the washing machine, it was just ridiculous. And in game three, he puts up 42 points, eight rebounds, um, it, it, and that was the series where Daryl Armstrong gets discovered because Richie Adubato had the epiphany to slide Penny over to shooting guard, start uh, Daryl Armstrong, and then you have Gerald Wilkins as the third guy for offense. I think Daryl Armstrong has to have the franchise record for most 20-point games off the bench in the playoffs. But I think it's important to remember you're talking about mid-90s NBA, and it's that slowed-down, kind of grinded-out bully ball Literally grinded-out. You look at the scores in that series in the low 80s, basically. Magic, we're lucky to score 90 on a given night, and uh, Penny Hardaway's pumping in 40 himself. Yeah, the only game the Magic dropped over 90 points in was when they beat Miami in Game 4, 99-91. A little tighter than Game 3. Um I can just remember um, a very fat stuff hugging Penny after both games, I want to say. And this is vintage fat stuff, so he's literally triple the width of Penny. So he literally like covers him completely. But Penny follows up the 42-pointer with a very with a very good 41 points, 7 rebound, 4 assist, 4 steal, 3 block game. Um, this was the series that Derek Strong would make his money on, though, as well, because... Derek Strong actually averaged a double-double for the series. He averaged 12 points per game and 10 boards. Daryl's the only other Magic player to score in double figures for the series at 11. Was there any Magic player more aptly named than Derek Strong? That guy had bulging biceps. That's all I... Bald head and bulging biceps. Yeah, if only his his game would, would just follow him as that carried through, but... I mean, you have Danny freaking Shays having to log huge minutes at 37 years old, and it's just remarkable how how the Magic were able to force a Game 5 to go back to Miami. And yeah, they lose the Game 5 in Miami. It was close. I mean, if, if Miami has a few threes rim out, the Magic actually might have st- probably steal that series. And so... That'll do it for our uh, our drafting of uh, Magic Playoff Series all time. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, please reach out to us and give us feedback. What's your favorite Magic Playoff Series all time, whether the Magic won or lost? We're curious. Um, I'm assuming you're all going to agree with me that I beat Spencer when it came to the drafting portion of, of, of it. But, uh, you know, I, I, we want to hear your feedback. And hopefully uh, we'll get a new series to add to the collection this year. Yeah, well, yeah, that, I, I'm expecting it, um, and I'm looking forward to it. Me Hopefully too. more than one, but I will happily take one at this point. So you can follow us on Twitter. At uh, MagicNBO is, uh, st- is the site story-only feed. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. Again, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please subscribe. Please leave awesome ratings for us. And we can be found pretty much anywhere. If you can't find us on a certain platform, let us know. And uh, I will be happy to try and add us on there. So until next time, take care. Take care.